Hello and welcome to this week's Ruby Shoes podcast, bringing you the very best of local entertainment across East Anglia each and every week. In this week's episode, we've got news of a very special Christmas concert which is being beamed across East Anglia and further afield too. Plus, the phenomenon that is Uncanny reaches Ruby Shoes with a special interview with the creator of Uncanny, the podcast, the tour, and so much more besides. That's Danny Robbins. And we've been to see the deeply unsettling but utterly spine-tingling Frankenstein. Tell you more about that, but first let's hear from Stephen Amer. He's project leader and director for The Voice Cloud. Stephen is responsible for bringing some fabulous festive cheer to some of our most vulnerable people in East Anglia this year. Waveney-based arts organisation The Voice Cloud, in association with the Seagull Theatre in Lowestoft, with some support from Suffolk Community Foundation, have announced the fourth edition of their free-to-watch virtual Christmas festive production. Uh, that's going to be broadcast on Sunday the 17th of December. A Christmas special is a professional festive theatre production created specifically for care settings and residential homes performed within the theatre and broadcast in beautiful high definition i caught up with Stephen last week to find out more this is such a brilliant initiative and i know it's not new you've, you've this is your fourth year in a row i think isn't it that you're you're doing this very christmas uh, very important christmas special live stream for the care homes Tell us um, how it kind of came about in the first place. So, um, in uh, it, the, the first occasion it came about really was in 2020, and um, there were two things that were happening there. Obviously, the huge thing was COVID and various social restrictions and lockdowns. Uh, one was that we had been working with care homes on various projects, and we were just aware that we, we felt that people who were living in care homes were disproportionately affected by these lockdowns because they had to exclude all kind of visitors really and the other thing was that um, we had been preparing our own theatre show and as we were approaching the date thinking will we be facing another lockdown or will it be possible to have you know um, you know like distance seating and so on yeah they did announce another lockdown so it meant that we couldn't do our Christmas show that we'd been preparing for and then at the same time in the back of our mind we'd been thinking about the residents of care homes who really just didn't have any visitors whatsoever so we thought, well, would it be possible somehow to do the theatre show in front of no physical audience, but broadcast it out to people in care homes? And you've carried on. And so you're doing it again. It's free to watch. It's a virtual Christmas festive production broadcast on Sunday, the 17th of December. Um Let's talk a little bit about what's included because you've really sort of thought about the age of people that are going to be watching this, haven't you? Well, we hope so, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's really suitable for any age, but obviously it tends to be more elderly people who are in care homes. And so we've kind of managed to tailor it based on um, feedback that we've had over the last few years. And we've, we're kind of billing it as a traditional... Christmas special that you might have seen on TV in the in the 50s and 60s so um, by the likes of Andy Williams and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Ella Fitzgerald and lots more but those kind of um, you know occasional events where the family would gather around the TV and you know it'd be traditional songs festive and, and holiday season classics. 
Oh, definitely. And I mean, I remember being a small child and sitting around the television and it was, you know, we would all watch something like that. So being able to, you know, allow for sort of parents and grandparents to still have that lovely festive feeling, despite, as you say, perhaps feeling a bit more isolated in the care home, I think is a really, really lovely idea. Now, you're going to beam this yet again into care homes from two o'clock on Sunday, the 17th of December. How do they get involved and, and sort of find out and, and link into yeah, this? Yeah, so it seems quite, um, it seems probably quite uh, a bit unwieldy for care homes if they've not been involved before. But the process is actually fairly simple. So the first thing they do is they visit our web page to sign up. And, and the address for that is thevoicecloud.co.uk forward slash Christmas dash 2023 and on there there's further information about what will be happening on the day but initially all they do is sign up uh, with the name of their care home where they're based and importantly the email that they want the link to be sent through to which will come through to them and then they can then eventually have that to, to be shared on their smart tvs which is just brilliant and i mean this can go i know it can go across the uk this could go worldwide surely well, the, the first year that we did it, we, we were really just fumbling through and we thought, well, we might just get some care homes local to us. And, and really, those were the only care homes that, that we uh, promoted it to in, in the Suffolk where we're based. And, um, and a few of them said, well, we're part of a chain. Can we send it to our partners or, you know, our, our sister care homes? And, and we were only too happy to. There's no limit to how many care homes could watch. And we found that we had homes from neighbouring counties watching and and it got further and further afield and over the next couple of years we thought well why why not promote it to other um other counties and countries and we found that we had people watching from ireland and scotland and wales and, and england and and even last year spain germany and canada which was just amazing um, and in fact we also had someone watching from australia although they couldn't join us live because it would have been i think three o'clock in the morning they asked for the watch again link and that's the nice thing, isn't it? You know, they can either join in live or they can actually watch it again, which is just such a brilliant idea. Tell me about the performers, because they're all professional involved in this. Are they giving up their time for free to do this, Stephen? Well, uh, thank you. That's a, that's a great question. Um, partly they are, partly they're not. I mean, they are professional. So um, so the team are absolutely fantastic and, and we, we are supported. And I, I should absolutely recognise this by uh, an organisation called the Suffolk Community Foundation. So they're kind of supporting us with money so that we can make all the technology happen, but also to uh, pay the performers. But inevitably what happens is they, they end up putting more time than they expected in through rehearsals or afterwards we do like a, a little Q&A, uh, kind of meet the cast, that kind of thing. So they are being paid, but probably they're subsidising their time. I would imagine they are, yes, probably giving in at least another 50%, if not another 100%. And it's all being filmed at the Seagull Theatre in Lowestoft, I believe. That's right, yeah. So the, the first year that we did it, um, that was physically where the show should have happened that Christmas and, and then couldn't because of the social restrictions. So they were very forward-thinking and, and we said, you know, do, do you think it would be possible for us to somehow broadcast it? And we, we fumbled our own way through the technology to eventually make it happen. But they were very, very open for, for us to use the theatre itself as a base and that's really a key part of it we're not just broadcasting out this concert but we're doing it as if it were in front of a live audience to make it hopefully a meaningful interaction with people in care homes so we've got theatre technicians in the theatre and they're they're working the theatre lights you know all the uh, we've got a set we've got curtains and 
you know, scarf cloths and lots more. So it, it's working. It's not just people singing at a camera, but it's actually a, a, a production in itself. Oh, definitely. And have you ever thought, and this is just off the top of my head, and this is probably a silly question on my part, but have you ever thought to sort of open up that link for people to pay a small amount to sort of add to your funds, but so that anybody can watch it? So if you say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to send that to Auntie Joan in the care home so they can all see it, but actually it'd be quite nice for us, us as a family to be able to watch it as well and, and then talk to her about it when we next see her. I, I guess so. I, th- I think maybe we're hoping, we've been quite um, limited in how we can develop it. Um, each year based on feedback that we get but that is something that we'd like to do I think probably next year as we sort of grow our team to have the capacity and the um, and the structure to do that but we obviously welcome donations and um, the voice cloud ourselves we are a, a CIC so we're a social enterprise and we trade under charitable um, purpose so we're, we we always welcome donations although we don't request them at all um, but it might be something we look at in the future, yeah. Yeah. And what about the performers as well? I mean, obviously this year is kind of all all sewn up and done, but are you looking for people perhaps for future years to just sort of help swell the numbers and give their time, even if it's just sort of backstage or, you know, working out, um, you know, lighting or scenery or that sort of thing? Is that useful to you to have volunteers? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And really the, vo- the volunteers we have across all of our projects are, um, you know, the, the beating heart of what we do. And for this particular project, if we're able to repeat it next year and in future years, volunteers to do absolutely anything would be very, very welcome, including including performers, yeah. Yeah, so our email address is contact at thevoicecloud.co.uk. But if people search us on Google, they can find other ways to contact us, including our uh, our social media pages. Brilliant. Well, good luck with this Christmas special live stream. Uh, it's it's such a brilliant initiative, and I do hope that it literally goes global for you, um, because it's it's such a lovely thing, especially when people have put so much time and effort into it. Stephen, pleasure to talk to you, and perhaps you'll come back again uh, next year and tell me about some of the other exciting projects that uh, you've got planned. I'd love to, and thank you so much for the chance to promote it. Now. You're going to have to excuse me because I'm going to have a bit of a fangirl moment. If you haven't already caught the brilliant podcast that's called Uncanny, it's presented and produced by Danny Robbins. You need to have a listen to it. It's one I stumbled across over a year ago now, and it talks to people about their experiences with the paranormal. And it's gained such a tremendous following that Danny is currently on tour. He's recently visited Norwich. He's been to Ipswich. And I caught up with him to ask him about his Uncanny Tour and all of his other projects he's working on. Your podcast, Uncanny, actually inspired me to create my podcast. Nothing to do with ghosts or anything, but it was the... Your podcast, Uncanny, is a very... It's unusual in that it's got really high production values. And I noticed that as well in the BBC series. It's just so well put together. And I'm guessing that's your background in radio that's kind of brought that forward. Is that is that a, a conscious decision? Did you think, do you know, I'm going to do a podcast, but I want to do it a certain way? Or has it just evolved because of the people that are kind of around you and you work with? I think I've loved radio ever since I was a kid. I grew up listening to radio. I remember my mum listening to like Radio 4 sitcoms in the uh, kitchen when we were kids. And um, and I think I was always fascinated by the, the pictures that you can paint uh, on, uh, you know, in audio. And, um, and yeah, I, I think I've just, uh, as time's gone by, I've become more and more interested in what you can achieve, really. You know? And I, I, 
have made lots of different things over the years. I've made sitcoms and I've made documentaries and um and yeah, the, the so the Battersea Poltergeist, the first thing that I made, um, the first kind of ghost show I made for the BBC, was really kind of my attempt to make the thing that I would like to listen to, basically. And I had this idea in my head that we would use drama to to recreate moments of the case, you know, the people who were dead and who couldn't be interviewed, that we would kind of, you know, in a way, bring them back to life, you know, kind of, we, it would be our archive, that drama. And um and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm quite an obsessive person. I'm quite a sort of perfectionist, I guess. And um, so it's always been a labor of love. All the shows are a labor of love. And, um, you know, with Uncanny, I sort of pour over it with lots of notes on, you know, now that sound effect's got to come just a, a fraction of a second earlier. And, you know, we need a musical moment there. We've got to hit that moment. And um, so I'm, I'm very lucky that I work with a great team of people. We've got a fantastic um, sound designer in Charlie Brandon King and a fantastic composer in Evelyn Sykes. And I work, you know, with Simon Barnard from Baffle Gab, who is someone who really enjoys creating great audio as well. You know, so there's a t- team of us that are all kind of quite obsessive in making it sound really good, I think. But um, I- I've always felt like, you know, going the extra mile is really worth it because I listen to a lot of podcasts that are quite basic, I guess. You know, like, you know, it's very easy to make a podcast. It's just some people sitting in a room. So I think when you do really kind of display that, attention to detail and love for it I think I think it makes it stick in people's minds and the the podcasts that I've really really engaged with and really fallen in love with are ones that I sort of feel are labours of love yeah I couldn't agree with you more I think when you've got a background in radio as well you almost want to edit for them you think oh I could listen to that but there's there's not enough edit going on in there there's not I know I know I know I know I mean it's it's a shame really it's a sort of it's a medium where you can get away with a lot and I think there's kind of quite a lot of podcasts featuring celebrities that are, are uh, you know, I'm going to say a bit lazy, really. And, you know, actually, I kind of boshed out, you know, and, um, you know, it, it's a shame, really, because I think it, it's such an amazing privilege to communicate with a, an audience in this way. And I think people do react to and, and interact with uh, podcasts in a different way to other mediums, I mean, particularly television. I think, you know, it's a, an incredibly intimate, personal thing where you're with that person when they're jogging or doing the washing up or commuting to work. And, you know, I, I, it's a really strong bond. I think some people sometimes say to me that they feel like I'm their mate, you know, the, oh, I'm yes. their friend. And, and I think podcasts <laughs> can feel like that. Absolutely. A podcast can feel like your friend. Exactly. I'm sure when you meet people, they feel as though they know you straight away because they're so used to listening to you. When did you realise, Danny, that you'd created not just an audience, but a phenomena in Uncanny? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of still dawning on me, I think. I, I think... Um, I think there was clearly something going on with Battersea Poltergeist. I think, you know, we made that at the very beginning of, well, you know, sort of near the beginning of the pandemic era. It came out in, in January 2021. It was at a point where we were all kind of cooped up in our houses and locked up. And I think something about that show caught people's attention, their imagination. And I think, you know, people related to this idea of a family cooped up in a haunted house because we were there in our houses feeling a bit haunted by what was going on. And so I think, you know, that that bond was a strong bond because it was formed in those weird times. And I think um, that moving forward, that, that's kind of the relationship is a lot of it has stemmed from that moment of kind of solidarity, if you like, between, you know, you need something at that time when you're feeling quite lonely and want to be entertained. And like I said, you know, podcasts can feel like a friend. So uh, and um, now with Uncanny, I mean, it's just kind of grown and grown. And I feel like we are definitely tapping into something that people want to talk about. And I see that I'm doing a live tour at the moment, traveling around the UK. And 
you know, the people want to talk about this and people haven't been able to talk about it for a long time. And, you know, sometimes that's people who've actually had experiences and just have been keeping it bottled up. But a lot of it's just people wanting to make sense of what's going on. You know, is the paranormal real? What happens to us when we die? These big questions that really we've been trying to make sense of for thousands of years. And I think that for a period of time, we didn't talk about it much. And, and ghost hunting shows became very much about a kind of slightly kind of sensational running around in night vision and, um, you know, screaming and mediums and all that kind of stuff. But actually, there's a lot of people out there who wanted to have a kind of a little bit more of a debate about it. And, you know, people who, you know, skeptics and believers alike who want to try and make sense of this. Mm, very much so. It's also spawned a book, uh, which is definitely on my Christmas list, um, which is as you say, a part part of the tour and is going brilliantly. But you've also managed to find time to write a play, a ghost story two twenty two, which we've it has been in Suffolk and Norfolk, but it's coming back to Cambridge, which I'm very pleased about in March. Uh, I mean, it's um, yeah, two twenty two is a ghost uh, two twenty two a ghost story is basically. Um, and I wrote it over five years. Actually, I wrote it prior to the the pods. A lot, of, you know, a lot of it prior to the pods. And it's really what inspired the podcast. Actually, I just had this idea which came to me after a a friend of mine told me that she'd seen a ghost. And um, and I remember thinking that our our friendship group would react to her in a real spectrum of ways, and that you know some people would be uh, you know, intrigued. Some people would be annoyed. Some people would laugh at her. Some people would be worried about her, you know, and, um, and I thought if you could distill that into a couple, then that was quite a, an interesting situation, you know, but the, the best plays I feel stem from conflict. And that, that's a real conflict. If you've got, uh, somebody in the house who believes the house is haunted and somebody who does not believe in ghosts and, and won't go on that journey and won't accept the fear the other person feels. And so the play is really about, the clock ticking down to this moment when uh, Jenny, the woman in the couple, sees or you know feels that she's experienced a ghost a, a, a every night recently, and Sam, her husband, refusing to accept that. And what will happen as the clock ticks down? Ticks down. Will the ghost appear or not? And their their friends are there for a dinner party at the same time. So it's a psychological thriller, and it, and at its heart, it's that st- same debate that drives uncanny really about you know do ghosts exist and the clash between belief and skepticism and yeah i mean it's it's been amazing it, it came out just I, I wrote it for about five years but it came out around the same time as battersea poltergeist so it was this kind of amazing moment for me of you know ghostliness you know the ghosts were good to me at that point and um and then yeah it's just kept running and kept running and we've been through so many different incarnations we've had lily allen and cheryl the pop star and um uh, just Giovanna Fletcher and Amanda Gill and Laura Whitmore and all these amazing people have been in it. Jamie Winston as well. And um, and now we're touring. We've got a fantastic touring cast and we're, we're going all around the country. And as you say, it's been, you know, in various different places already. And um, and it's going on until June of next year, I think. So, um, yeah, it, and it's all around the world now, actually. It's opening in countries all around the world. So it's it's become something quite incredible for me. Last week, we were invited to review Frankenstein at the New Wolsey Theatre in Ipswich. It was a very different adaptation of the classic novel. (laughs) 
Set in 1943, while Europe tore itself apart, two women were hiding from their past in a remote log cabin at what felt like the very end of the world. One of them had a terrifying story to tell. Now, the brilliant cast included uh, Basenka Blake, who was captain, Annette Hanna, Frankenstein's assistant, Dale Mathurin, who was the fiancé and also a scientist, Lula Marsh played the sister of Frankenstein, and Eleanor McLaughlin was the scientist Frankenstein herself. Cameron Robertson was Frankenstein's monster, and it was written by Mary Shelley. And a word of praise, too, for the makeup artist, Missy Brazier, because the monster was truly horrific so well done Missy the whole play was an absolute triumph you really felt like you were part of the set it was just so believable literally from the word off brilliant acting by all we thoroughly enjoyed their performances and the two actors who played sisters even looked like they were related the whole thing was so so well done and quite unnerving, to be honest, but brilliant. Uh, just so, so good. We were just talking about it all the way home. So well done to all of the cast of Frankenstein. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Well done. Now, if you're part of a show, maybe a pantomime, you're directing a play, or perhaps you're planning a Christmas show and you'd like to be featured on a future episode of the Ruby Shoes podcast, get in touch with us via our socials. Just look up for Ruby Shoes podcast. Tell me a bit about you. Tell me what you've got planned. And we would love to have you as a featured guest on a future episode. Now, with all of this cold and fairly uninspiring weather around here at the moment, Ruby Shoes... uh, studios here the christmas has come early and those decks are already out and there are twinkling lights everywhere but i was told by a good friend this week that it's actually okay to go all out with the decks this early it's actually to celebrate hygge a quality of coziness and comfortable conviviality that engenders a feeling of contentment or well-being well that's what the danes think anyway so why not i say basically hunker down and get snuggly so whether you have got your lights up and your decks out or whether you say absolutely not this early just have a great week won't you see you next week at next episode i'm steph mcintyre thank you for listening to ruby shoes podcast And I hope you can join us next week. And in the meantime, check out those socials, Ruby Shoes Podcast.